Today is April 7th. Baseball is still not happening, but we're going to talk all about it with special guest Adam Adovino. Let's talk Yanks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talking Yanks. My name is John Boy, and joining me, as always, is Jake. He's in his apartment. I'm in my apartment. We're being quarantined. It's a pandemic. It ain't good. Jake, this episode of Talking Yanks is brought to you by Sarah Gibbs, Julie Herr, Jared Dens, Nicole Rosano, Doug, I think I already did all these names, Hathcock, Andrew Marrero, I think I did all these. Parker Cavan, Tyler okay. Aaron Woodbury, Grace cool. Scully. Those were or are our most recent patrons. Not sure if I did those already. Maybe they got doubled up. But thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. How are you doing, Jake? Hey, James. I'm doing all right. Um, still doing the quarantine thing like the rest of the country. Um, did uh, We had a little bit there. I mean, we're, we're pretty close to Central Park. Okay. So that was that was kind of our like, you know what, if if we're feeling low and it's a nice day, like walk around Central Park. It's pretty nice. We kind of hadn't been going there since they put up the tents. Um, but we uh, we decided like, hey, we're going to go crazy if we don't still walk around and stuff. So went back there yesterday and today had nice walks in Central Parks. Didn't go near the tent area. It's beautiful. And it's Noodle the Doodle's third birthday. So, I mean, you know, I'm. Living on a prayer over here. Wow. Happy birthday to Noodle. Big Bon Jovi pod. Three. I would have guessed older for nudes. He's huge. He's uh, longest legs on a dog you'll ever see. How are you doing? I'm all right. I haven't left the apartment in a while. At all. I left a couple days ago to go get like uh, a snack from like the bodega. And I didn't like it at all. I didn't like, I was like, Ooh, I got, yeah. I'm not prepared for this. I need, if I'm going to do this in a mask and gloves and stuff, which, uh, we have coming in the mail. My aunt stitched just all some. So tomorrow I'm going to get outside. I've been doing some lunges and pushups inside just to, just to do something. Nice. Not anything that's impressive just to do something. Can you take some videos of that? I know no. you, you've been mixing up your Instagram game a little bit. If we could get some lunges and some pushies out of you, I would, I would like that. My Instagram Instagram game remains the same. I mean, it's it's up, it's great. I'm I'm not saying anything, but you know, you start mixing in some working out. Now we now we got something. I actually have to give a tour of something on Instagram. I held a vote. Okay. Oh, couch chair one. I said, which one do you want a tour of? My chair or my couch? Uh. Chair one got 68% of the vote. So after this, I got to go give a tour of my chair on Instagram. So okay. make sure to tune in for that. Anyway, we just got done with a fun conversation with Otto, reliever for the Yankees, if you're not familiar. And uh, really nice of him to join during this time. Talked about kind of his journey from Cardinals to Rockies, being teammates with Canely, being teammates with DJ LeMahieu, the makeup of the bullpen, his pitches, a lot of stuff. It was good. He was great. Um, there's a bit of an echo at times, so we are fully aware of that. And you guys are just going to kind of have to deal with it because I don't know what happened and we're all in, uh, we're in quarantine time and it's all new technology. So, haha. Even worse, there's a point where I muted Otto's mic by accident. So I'm going to dub in Otto's voice as me. So be on Which the I'm also for that. excited for that. I, I don't normally listen back, but I think I'm going to check in for that. <laughs> <laughs> any uh any notes before we throw it to the interview no Otto was great i think uh if you like talking yanks for what it is um you know we he do some really cool baseball stuff we also uh we we get into some of the guys personalities probably 
probably a little more than we've gotten some of the other other Yanks to talk about. So that was really cool. Yeah. All right. And here is our classic uh, transitional sound into the interview. Back to back. <laughs> belly to belly. We are joined by former Northeastern great, current Yankee great, Adam Adovino. Otto, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks it. We're just coming on, man. talking a little bit about cabin fever and going crazy. And what has this uh, whole process been for you? This is the first, this is the most amount of time any baseball player has player has spent at home during this month ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've even though I'm from New York, I've never been in New York ever. I feel like in April, like not since high school. So. <laughs> It's a little weird. Like today we were on a little social distancing walk and I was like, man, like the flowers are like beautiful around here. Like who knew, you know, but um, yeah, it's been all right. Uh, just basically uh, trying to stay active and doing dad stuff for the most part. Is that the great distractor right now? I mean, you, you got kids. I, I mean, are you Netflixing? What's uh, what's the Adam Adovino uh, pandemic survival strategy? You guys baking every day? Yeah, it's just cooking, baking, uh, and then in between, like some playing. I've played a lot of hide and go seek the last day or two. Ooh, okay. And uh, obviously, I have to throw and work out, so I'm doing that. But um, I do a lot of the working out after the kids are asleep. So, yeah, while they're awake, I'm just kind of juggling their needs for the most part. What's your strategy with hide and go seek to make it last longer? Are you like a slow finder, or are you are you hiding really well? No, I'm a slow finder. Okay. Uh, she wants she wants to be found quickly, my older daughter. But I but I take it a little slow. Otherwise, it would just it wouldn't even be a game. Yeah. And then when I hide, like I, I do, like I hide a like I, I hide like in fifty percent as good of a spot as I could hide in. You know. Yeah. Okay. So, are you under the pillow? No. Are you behind the door? No. Just a lot of fake. <laughs> You're not theirs. I, yeah, exactly. I have two cousins that. That's all they ever want to do when I'm at my parents' house with them. Can we plan and seek? Can we plan and seek? And then I just, I put one in like these spots. He never gets found. It takes like 20 minutes to the point where he's like, I'm over here. It's a great time killer. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. We're a big hide and go seek pod, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned staying loose athletically. Um, I mean, for you, I know you do some stuff in the lab in the off season. We'll get there and we'll talk some Matt Blake stuff. Um, but I mean, for you, is are, are you just are you throwing every other day, or is, is it your routine? Is it something that maybe Matt Blake suggested, or what? What are you doing as of now? Uh, right now, I'm on a two days on, one day off program. Um, one day is kind of like uh, like lower intensity, and the second day is high intensity, and then I take a day off after the high intensity day. And um, right now I've been off the mound twice since I got back up here. I'm kind of doing that like every other high intensity day. And that way, like, of shape where if I have to get going, I, I'll be fine. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't want to kill myself either. So uh, it's tricky. I've never been in this situation. Nobody has. Uh, but I think, um, you know, trying to do the best with it. I, I feel like I did make some strides. Uh, in spring training and this off season, and I want to keep that going and continue to work on my craft for sure. So we saw uh, Garrett Cole playing catch with his wife, and we just talked with Drew Butera, uh, who had his wife putting the balls in the jugs machine while he was receiving them as catcher. Has Mrs. Adovino been catching your bullpen sessions? <laughs> no chance, no chance. Uh, <laughs> she would freak out if she saw a fastball coming her way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, she uh, she likes to she likes to like watch my mechanics. She can tell me when I'm doing it right and when I'm doing it wrong. She'll tell me like, oh, you know, your tush is a little too high this time or a little low. And so she's luckily she studied me enough to kind of know what I'm doing right or wrong. That's awesome. There you go. Uh, yeah, we talked with Voight last week, and we I just wanted to kind of what was your vibe when I know you guys had that vote that you were all going to stay in camp. And I think, you know, two days later, it escalated like it did for the whole world. Were you reluctant to leave? Or once you heard like, oh, this is going to be longer, were you get me out of here? I'm, I'm going home. I really wanted to stay. Um, staying would have been ideal. But, um, you know, I, 
we had kind of already had that vote. And then I was watching that basketball game that got shut down um, that night. And that night I was kind of like, oh, we're in trouble here. And then the next day, Cashman's uh, little speech in the, in the clubhouse, one thing he said was, uh, wherever you're going to be, make sure you're comfortable being there for the long haul. So that's when I was like, well, I, I better start driving. So I texted my wife right then. And I was like, I'll be on the road in a couple of hours. And so that's that's kind of the way it happened. I wasn't planning on leaving, but once the new information changed, I had no choice, really. Yeah, that, that basketball game and that tweet that NBA season was being suspended was – that was – like I couldn't even fathom it. I was like, what? And then I know. now it feels so small, <laughs> like, in, the, in, in everything that's happening. It's nuts. How, how was spring going, though? I mean, we, we, we were down there for the first half, a lot of live sessions – Voight said he hated those. I wonder, as a pitcher, if you liked having the live BP earlier on or just how was your spring going? Yeah, Luke dodges me now. He doesn't want any part of this, so he, uh, <laughs> he generally – I saw his name on my list for live, and then somehow he wasn't in there when I got on yeah. the mound, so I thought that was interesting. <laughs> but um, overall, like for me, uh, I don't know. I, I like to progress with like two or three pens when I get down there, even though I've been thrown there. And then go to the live and take my time to get into the games, uh, which is what we did. I got into like four games, and I the last thing I did was I threw two innings on the backfield uh, day before the shutdown. Uh, me personally, I felt good. I thought the team vibe was good. We were heading the right direction. You know, we were getting close. So uh, it's kind of a shame to pull the rug out there, but you know, I, that's just what we got to roll with, I guess. Yeah. It was funny when we were talking to Voight. We we loved the BVPs at spring training this year because it's like, I mean, you could stand on the fence and it's, you know, you versus Talkman or it's you versus whoever it is. And so we were all excited to ask Voight. And he's like, man, that's bullshit. Like, I, I haven't seen live pitching in six months and I got to come out and see Otto Slider. What the hell is that? Never yeah. mind. There's like eight guys standing behind you and stuff. I will go into uh, Matt Blake a little bit because you're you're known to be on the cutting edge. I mean, you got the pitch ninja shirt on right now. Uh, when Matt Blake came into town, but you're already, you know, very established as a major leaguer, especially with when your fastball and your slider do what they do. How, how did those conversations go down? Is, is it you're, you're looking for anything he gives you, or do you guys both put your heads together and are like, let's get to work? Or how how'd that interaction go down? I mean, I think anytime you have a new pitching coach, you really want to get along with them. I've, I've had so many at this point, and I think I handled relationships poorly at times in my career. Uh, but with Matt, you know, there was instant, honestly, like pretty instant credibility from the people I had talked to about him. And uh, what was interesting is I played against him in college. I think we're the same age. I might even be older than the guy. So really, uh, when he showed, yeah. So he went to Holy Cross, and I went to Northeastern. Obviously, we played against each other in same grade and everything. So that's that was interesting. So we talked a little bit about that, and then it just kind of went from there. He asked me what I wanted to work on, what I want to get better on, what I'm thinking about. You know, then that conversation just starts flowing. I mean, he talks a lot of the same language I do, so really wasn't that hard it would have been interesting to see um how we progressed over the course of the year but you know at the beginning i thought he took a really good tactic um just kind of getting to know the guys and not you know dive into any uh, absolutes or anything like that what is it kind of like vindicative in a way in a sense like when you go to spring training and the yankees now have all the rap soto cameras out they're logging everything and they're fully bought into this because there were players i know like i hung out with bauer for a day and he's been screaming about this stuff forever but you also had yeah. your pitching lab and you were into you know this next wave and you were ahead of teams so when you go out this spring training and you see they're setting up all this equipment are you like yes i have this behind me or are you kind of mad like guys i've been doing this for years uh to be honest with you i would have rather them not have caught up like it's an advantage if you're the only one who's using it so um you know, I kind of knew that uh, it was going to be undeniable. The first year I used it, I used it all offseason. Then I brought it into spring with the Rockies. And I asked the video guy to set it up behind me while I threw. And the pitching coach, like, kind of freaked out and, like, called me at his office and was like, what are you doing? You know, I think he thought I was, like, undermining him or whatever. And I told him, like, listen, like, you can watch the videos with me. We can break them down together. I'll use your expertise. You know, I don't want to – I'm not trying to do that, but – to be honest, like, don't be afraid of it. Like you need to embrace this cause it's coming. And, uh, it does feel a little bit 
uh, like you said, I do feel a little bit vindicated that that turned out to be true. Yeah. I mean, how it was, it was a how, team of people in spring training behind that net. Sorry, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's now it's easy. Cause like uh, everybody's bought in. I mean, the Yankees are super bought in. So we have uh, cameras on every mound and there's guys back there doing stuff on the computer and uh, the rep Soto and they know the numbers really well. Like our main analytic guy, Zach, he, he could just come and just talk to me about something he just saw on a table, you know, um, and then be like, what'd you do different on this pitch? And I can, I can kind of relay to him. Like, I just cut that one really badly. And he's like, can you do that on purpose? You know, <laughs> and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, they're bought in and I do think if they were going to be um, cutting edge, they had to go the whole way. So Matt Blake kind of fits in with that. And, and you mentioned a little bit of your, your time with the Rockies and, and some of the pitching coaches there and such. I mean, Dude, that's got to be insane because we're so much is talked about from the hitting side of it, and you know we're we're we were introduced to the Lemayhew show. We'll we'll talk about you guys a little bit later, but um, I mean, what how how does that feel? Almost feeling like you're at a, a disadvantage, right? Because I I mean, it's Coors Field and it's reputation. Each pitching coach feel like they had a new trick. Or what 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 was your mentality going out and pitching in Coors? So it was at this point in the interview where I was trying to fix that echo that we're hearing, and I actually muted Otto's mic. So he is now currently saying that when he found out he got picked up by the Rockies, he had people text him, and they were like, oh, man, that's going to be tough. But he looked at the roster, and he looked at the guys, and he thought he had a good shot to actually crack the roster. Here you go. Oh, I got a shot if I outperform them. I think I can get a shot to get in the big leagues and get my feet get my feet wet and like stick a little bit. So I had a good attitude going in and I, I will say it's a tough gig for the pitching coach and for the manager there because, you know, things are going to happen at course field. Big numbers are going to happen. It's unavoidable for the most part, um, especially over 81 home games. And it kind of can beat you down uh, when you're living and dying with every pitch for every guy. I think it's a little easier as an individual because you can kind of learn some stuff and um, find a way to minimize the damage on your own. But uh, there's just no denying it. Uh, it's the hardest place to pitch in the world, and you kind of have to just accept that. When you come to the Yankees or you leave and everyone's like, look at this pitch, now imagine what he's going to do not at Coors Field. Do you have that same thought? Are you like, wow, this is going to be not just away games, like my, my stuff's going to move even further? And was that an exciting thing for you to think about as well? Definitely. Uh, one thing a lot of Rocky pitchers do is like uh, we would get off the plane, like at a sea level city. So every other city and we'd be like, I can feel my pitches moving like you just <laughs> you could feel it in the air. Like and so we'd always make that joke. Um, and I was excited to, you know, ha- have a year where maybe my pitches weren't doing two different things home and road the whole year. You know, I, I found out that ultimately I-, I had more movement than maybe I was prepared for. And there were some things that now I have to adjust to with that, but it's nice to have a consistent set of variables, I think, to deal with. Uh, that's the hardest thing about cores is going back and forth and constantly having a shift all the time. What do you miss about Denver? I, uh, I, I just lived in Denver for the past three years, um, and I moved here about five weeks ago. Pretty good timing to move to New York City, they say. Um, yeah. But what, uh, uh, besides those hills in the background that make Denver awesome, what, uh, what do you miss about that city? We love Denver. Uh, we lived in Cherry Creek area. I thought it was like unbelievable. My ride to the ballpark was like a, a easy cruise to and from every day. It was like really relaxing. On an off day, we would go to the mountains. Um, the food was great in Denver. It's a really outdoorsy city. Um, even the vibe at the games, like maybe they don't aren't like super into the on the action, the field on the you know the action on the field. But I did feel like we always got a really good crowd, and it was pretty rowdy. And you see some of the drunkest people alive, like after the games because the altitude will hit you a little different. And I don't know. I just I felt like I really grew up a lot there and uh, love the people in the organization. The city itself, I feel like, is a top like top three or four situation in Major League Baseball uh, to be in. So there's just so much about it. Like I would definitely play there again. Uh, obviously, there's challenges, but overall, I really like Denver. When they the first... altitude in that right field bar are dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When they first pick you up and um, you had you had to get Tommy John and all that, but the Rockies, did, they turned you into a reliever. So when they claimed you, was that something they let you know right away? Were you receptive to that? Did you kind of fight back? Or did you, how, how much was your heart set on being a starter where you're like, all right, let's try something new? 
Well, uh, to be honest with you, I had kind of been asking the Cardinals to move me to the bullpen for the previous year and a half because I just didn't see a really good route to my myself getting in their rotation and sticking. I wasn't consistent enough yet, but I knew I was good enough to be a reliever in the big leagues. And I was basically like, I'd rather be in the big leagues in the bullpen than AAA as a starter. So uh, the year that I got claimed, I had been a relief pitcher that year in spring with the Cardinals. Oh, okay. And when I got claimed, yeah, when I got claimed, I I asked the uh, at the time assistant GM, now the actual GM Jeff Bradich. I said, "So am I starting or relieving?" He's like, "I think we're going to stick with relieving." So I said, "All right, let's do it." And um, I, I, it was much better for me. I was able to like succeed right away, and uh, I think it was better for me mentally, and just rolled from there. And I think Hawkins got hurt like pretty early on into that season, so you went straight to closing role, or was that the next season? No, there was like a long, long progression. So I came over in 12 uh, In 12, we did that piggyback system. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. that. I pitched like three inning outings, like the whole second half. I had a crazy year. I feel like 98 innings out of the bullpen between AAA and the big leagues. Jeez. And then, uh, but it was okay. Like I survived that. I had a bad September, but otherwise I pitched well. So I come back the next year. Uh, I think that's, so that's 13 pitched like multi-inning roll again, but had a good year, had like a, like a two six or something. Came back the next year, 14, pitched well again, was like eighth inning guy. And then in 15, Latroy blew like a couple games at the beginning. I became closer and then I blew out. So that was it. But it was a progression. Like I definitely had a couple years there uh, of like building up to getting into that spot. And then it was definitely a bummer when I got hurt right away. Yeah. That's, that the, the three inning role is like kind of what Chad Green has been doing for the Yankees. Did you enjoy that? Or, or is that because it seems like even Chad at times has been like, I, if I'm going to do this, I like to know when I'm pitching um, and not just be called out on the whim to go three innings every day. Is that is that middle area, like long relief kind of ro- role for a reliever tough to understand or get, have your body get used to? Well, the tough thing is like um, you might not pitch for four or five days. So then it's the same deal as starting. Like the best thing about being a regular reliever is you're in there a lot. So you stay sharp and you don't like kind of lose your edge. I think when you get enough days off, you get rusty and you forget what it feels like. And that's the toughest thing. So for me though, I never mind pitching multiple innings. I still try to sometimes nudge them in that direction. Like when I'm rolling, because I like to be out there. Like I miss the days of going seven, eight innings. So uh, for me, like the longer I can pitch, the better. And uh, something I noticed too is like if I have it that day, I usually have it. Like I can pitch three or four innings, no problem. If I don't have it, then I don't have it, and I need to get out of there after one batter. <laughs> but I usually know pretty quick. Yeah, that's uh seems like I mean Dellen he was hurt most of last year, but that's kind of how how Dellen was uh, years prior as well. It's like you can tell, he can tell, the Girardi could tell is like you know let's watch yeah. this first at bat. Here's a weird question. Did LaTroy Hawkins ever nail your cleats to the ground? No, no. I uh I uh I had a good I had a good relationship with LaTroy. I spent the whole year trying to keep him and Tommy from killing each other. Yeah. Um, but um <laughs> but yeah, we, we got along fine. I think we both had a lot of respect for each other, so it was fine. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know the history of LaTroy and Tommy, you can look it up. I don't want to talk about it now. But uh, he also did that to um Billy Crystal. When Billy Crystal was a Yankee oh, for spring he? training, he nailed Billy Crystal's cleats to the ground. I was like, oh, I guess LaTroy likes that prank. <laughs> yeah, that that's lot. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keeping LaTroy and Tommy apart, I, I, I don't envy you for that. Um, going, uh, I, I mentioned Northeastern at the start, <laughs> and I, uh, I'm in a different way. I, I love Northeastern. I used to go up there like every other weekend in college to drink with some buddies. I didn't attend there because I didn't have any brains. Still kind of don't. Um, he slept and so underneath I dug up an 18 wheeler. We don't need to tell that story, but, um, <laughs> what, uh, Hey, I know one thing that Jimmy loves that I, I also love too, and must be a crazy experience is when Northeastern plays against the Red Sox. So I was going to ask if you have any, any good stories from those games. And then I also saw a couple – I asked a couple of my Northeastern buddies. I was like, hey, give me, give me something. And they dug in. They saw that you were a history major, and they said that Northeastern used to have some pretty BS history classes. I think there was a history mm-hmm. of Boston, and there was a, like, history of rock and roll that they just said were total BS. So I was uh, – whichever one of those you want to go with, they're both on your plate. 
All right. So as for the studying stuff, I mean, if I'm being honest, I was really just majoring in baseball at the time. I mean, <laughs> sure. I was doing, doing, you know, history for me, it was like, I didn't have to go to as many classes. I could cram the tests. I mean, cram the, you know, write the essays and, you know, get by and just focus on what I was doing, which was figuring myself out, I guess. Um, what was the other thing about, uh, playing the Red Sox, uh, playing the Red Sox. Okay. Yeah. So I did, I pitched against them twice. First year was my freshman year. And uh, I proceeded to walk the bases loaded, which is nothing new, <laughs> obviously. And uh, but I struck out Gabe Kapler, oh, and hey. uh, defending, uh, yep, yep, on a fastball, and defending um, batting champion at the time, Bill Miller, uh, grounded out to first to end the inning, so no runs, there no damage. And then who, I, who I started the game swinging? as a junior. Who was taking walks? What punks? Uh, they were not even close. I think I walked Veritek <laughs> and uh, like. JD Drew or something. I don't know. It was pretty wild. I was super nervous. I mean, naturally. And uh, then my junior year, I started the game and it went really good. I, I, I think it was like broken bat, ground out, cocoa crisp. And then I think I gave up a hit and then I struck out Manny and Ortiz back to back. And that was it. Who struck out Manny and Ortiz? Yeah, I think Manny was messing with me though because he just took three pitches right down the middle and didn't even look like he was trying to swing and then went back to the dugout. But I was yet. very excited. Did you yeah, see? I was very excited that year. Did you see? I know Jake saw it. There's this, I, there's this Twitter thread right now about old, weird high school baseball fields that mm-hmm. uh, is going because there's a lot, especially in the Northeast, where they just put these baseball fields in weird spots. They have crazy dimensions. And one guy said that. Manny, Manny, Manny hit a like a 585 foot home run on this field and showed the picture. Jake, you saw it. It's the most preposterous yeah. legend, and I have people arguing that they think high school Manny hit a 585 foot home run. You think that that's any way that that could happen? Well, obviously, physics tells you you can't hit a ball that far. But but I mean, uh, my travel team coach, uh, Coach Manny uh back in the day and he had some really good manny stories and i played on a lot of the fields that he played on and certainly um he was pretty uh, pretty ridiculous also though like some of those fields like it might have rolled to 585 because like the field it's like 800 feet to left so you hit it over the left fielder and uh, you know yeah there was tennis courts involved and all this stuff it was it was a lot (laughs) Uh, so when when you go to free agency did you have any teams on your mind or did you just, how, how did it, how did the process work? Was there any that you told your agent like, Hey, I'd like these teams or is it just field all offers and then sift through them? Well, I have a secret that I really wanted it to be the Yankees, but I think um, for me, I really wanted to play on a big time in a big time market. Um, I felt like uh, I've spoke about this a few times, but in Colorado, like uh, we just kept getting beaten by the Dodgers and it was really frustrating. They were just like, more and more depth than us. And, uh, just felt like we couldn't quite get over that hump. And I wanted to be on the other side of that coin and, um, just see what I could do, uh, with a little more attention on me, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, all those teams are what I was really hoping for. I mean, I kept an open mind to everything, but, um, once the Yankees were involved, like, obviously I really, uh, hope that it, that it worked out. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole homecoming, so homecoming thing, contender thing, but it is a crowded bullpen. And there's a lot of arms down there that didn't, did that, you say, yeah, I want to be part of this. Or, I mean, because at the time there's Chapman, Dellen, uh, Britton, I mean, your old friend Canely. Were you, like, excited to go be part of that crew? Or did you know where you would land? Was there any talks earlier? Uh, I was excited to join it. I felt like, for me, uh, the advantages, there was a couple advantages to joining it. Like, first of all, Maybe I pitch a little less uh, over the course of the three years and have a little more longevity in my career, which is something I really want to do. I want to try to pitch as long as I can. Uh, the second thing was try to learn from the best. Um, you know, I felt like if I was with guys like Britton and, um, you know, Chappie, like they've had a lot of great years of success, which not a lot of guys have in the bullpen. Most guys are kind of good for a bit and that's it. So I want to learn a little bit from those guys. And also, like, I didn't really have it in my heart to be a closer anymore. It just didn't matter to me. Like, I can do it, but it wasn't something that I had to do. Felt like I that that itch had been scratched. So, uh, opportunity to join a hundred win Yankee team, like my hometown team, like that's that's 
more than enough for me. And I figured I pitched good enough to, you know, uh, find a way to get in the games. Yeah. I mean, you got in a lot of games pretty early on where you kind of like, whoa, <laughs> I was trying to pitch. Because right away, I think you were the most used reliever, right? Or as well, I was Holder. Yeah, well. And then you. Well, I did, you know, I did end up with the most appearances or whatever, which is fine. I mean, that's something you take pride in as a, as a relief pitcher. And I, and I wanted to be in a lot of games. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, I, I looked at it like, well, yeah. Dylan's here. He's going to get a clean inning. You know, Britt's probably going to get a yeah. clean inning. And then, the you know, Greeny probably be a long guy. And at the time, like, I didn't know what how Tommy was going to pitch yet. Nobody did. So I was like, all right, they're going to use me against righties. And then once they see how good I am, they're like, that'll evolve. But overall, like in baseball, you know, you usually get what you kind of deserve. So if I pitched well enough, I knew I could, you know, find a way into more games. And if I pitch lousy, then that, then obviously that's not going to happen. Speaking did, of, did uh, you give Cole, did you give Cole any crap? Because last year you were the kid, you were the homecoming kid. You had the picture with Coney, and it was like, yup, Otto's back home. And then Cole comes in with that press conference and he busts out the sign. Are you like, are you kidding me, dude? No, no. But I just started, it got me thinking because I was actually at that press conference. Um, it got me thinking like, man, like the core four, like that's the gift that just keeps on giving because the people that were fans of <laughs> those guys, like they really want to follow in their footsteps and become Yankees. And maybe that makes that diff- the difference that gets them over the hump. Like for me, it probably did. And I guess for him too. So. I was thinking, man, like they, th- that gift just keeps on giving. That's what I was thinking. Growing up, were you uh, like an active, uh, just, I'm not trying to do like a gotcha question. Cause a lot of baseball players, you know, you're playing nonstop. So you're not watching a lot, but were you a diehard Yankee fan or were you a casual Yankee fan or Yankee fan at all? Yeah. Diehard. Diehard. Okay. Yankee fan. Cool. Yeah. So that had to be pretty cool to put the pinstripes on growing up. Same. Like that. <laughs> Same. Yeah. yeah. Insane. I mean, you know, obviously it's, it, doesn't even feel real now. I mean, I, I don't even know, but, uh, were you, yeah, were, I, I got you, more were, used to it. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, go were, ahead. You, were you worried about the number zero and that asked like yeah. some dumb Yankee yeah. fans made a big deal out of that. I, I didn't know what, I didn't care at all. I yeah. thought it was your number and I just read and it. I never put it together that you do it because your last name starts with an O and they look similar. Yeah. Yeah, that's really all it was. I knew that there was a chance they wouldn't give it to me, and that would have been fine. I, I wasn't going to press it. Um, but ultimately, uh, Robbie Kakuza asked me, like, how, how tied to the number are you? And I, I uh, you know, I, I told him the truth, and I said, I would like to wear it, but I don't have to wear it. You know, it's up to you guys. And so I think they kicked it up to Hal, and eventually they just put out that I was wearing it. So... Um, it felt good. I was a little nervous. I was like, I have no choice but to do well. So, <laughs> um, but ultimately, it would have felt weird to wear some random number. There's not that many good numbers left. No. What was your What was your backup if they said no? Did you have one in mind? I like 22, but like that was Ellsbury, and I didn't know his status. And, no one does. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know. And uh, <laughs> and my wife likes 18, but that's Masa, so that's not happening either. So. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Todd Frazier came over in 2017, and he was there for three months. I think he asked for 21, Paul O'Neill's number, and, and he got a hard no. <laughs> and he got a he got a hard, that's yeah. not going to happen. And, he, and, you know, Todd Frazier was, like, one of the more likable guys and all that. And yeah, I think uh, he came in yeah. a, little, a little blinded by – speaking of, LaTroy Hawkins tried to wear 21, I think, and everyone gave him – like, wrote him oh, really? death threats and stuff, and it was bad luck. For Yankee fans, not for Detroit. It was terrible. Uh, When you come over, it had been like four years or so since you were teammates with Tommy Canely, who's this big personality, always talking. Same guy? Were you? Was there any difference in in the in the kid that you knew in Colorado versus uh, now, like you know, Yankee? I love Tommy. I absolutely love Tommy. I think uh, he definitely matured a little bit since that since that time. but not, not much, but I mean, <laughs> ultimately, uh, Tommy, you know, Tommy is much more, uh, palatable, I think, um, as not a rookie. I think when you're a rookie and you're the way Tommy is, I think that's what mm. is tough for a veteran to swallow. But like now that he's an established guy, like it's fine. Like people love it. Like, and what I really liked over here was like, you know, CC lo- like loved him. 
and Gardy loved him. And like, once you have those guys acceptance, then he's going to be able to be himself and, and do his thing. And in Colorado, some of the older guys were like, whoa, like, what is this guy? And so I think it was hard for him uh, that year. And I tried to be a really good friend to him that year and, and help him, you know, get through it. But it was a tough year for him. Uh, you know, there was, it was touch and go there for a while. And I'm, I'm glad he got through that time. That's crazy. And then, well, I mean, there were whole rumors, or not rumors, I think he even said that he was drinking six Red Bulls a day, which is insane how much energy he has naturally. It's crazy. But, yeah, I'd, I mean, yeah, I mean he's, a, he's a little kid. He's a little kid. I mean, I've seen him do unbelievable stuff. Like, I've seen him eat an entire bag of, of Sour Patch Kids, like a big one, <laughs> like, in a half, like, in a, like in a half inning in the bullpen. Just because. Just in there. The, so the other <laughs> the other teammate that you that you have in both places, and you actually have a lot because I mean even David Hale was in the bullpen with you guys, and there's so many. But DJ Lemayhu, DJ Lemayhu in a day, or Tommy Canley in a day versus DJ Lemayhu in a month. Who says more words? Tommy Canley in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's a layup. That's yeah. a layup. What uh? Yeah. What what else? It, part part of what. I think why people like talking Yanks is because we, I mean, me and Jimmy were told by our high school coaches to stop playing baseball. It's not for us. And we, we have fun with the players' personalities and, and some of it we make up, you know, with Chad Green, he's got some of the quiet, silly stuff. What are Tommy? Everyone knows his personality. He makes you know it. What, what are some of the other dynamics in the bullpen? Like is Sessa a drift off and he starts falling asleep in the third inning? Like, does Chad Green have something quirky he busts out? What What are some of the other fun dynamics down there? All right, so uh, Greeny, uh, Greeny's just like nervous guy, like um, always okay. thinks that the phone's it's gonna be him. So he he pees probably <laughs> more than anybody I've ever seen. Like nervous pees the whole game. Um, Great. You know, uh, Britt is similar to me, like uh, serious but but a ball buster. Um, Sessa is very funny also like he's he's like always showing you funny videos from mexico on his phone like that are ridiculous and uh me and him like we 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 he teaches me some spanish stuff down there we laugh a lot and he's always talking to chappy um let me think holder holder's all around great dude too he'll talk about anything you know harky's really the one leading all the conversation but um for the most part you know it's really good vibe really good vibe it's just funny to see different people's quirks like like the greeny thing, like he's so good and we tell him how good he is all the time, but I think he's just like naturally nervous, you know? So that's just how he is. He's just so anxious to like, is it going to be me? He doesn't want to be unprepared, you know? Yeah. We've heard some stories about Chad that paint him in that light. Like he was nervous to like get an apartment after 2017. It was like, Chad, you're going to be on the team, man. You were like a main part of the club. Yeah. The so that, that adds yeah. up. Is Chappie kind of in his own zone for a while? Like, like closers, you always feel like they're like, you know, they get into a certain headspace early on. Mariano used to sleep until he got into that headspace. But Chappie, I mean, he just seems like a very intimidating figure. Is that is that wrong? Chappie's a great dude, too. It's just funny because he doesn't really come down there until pretty late in the game. Uh, maybe like the seventh or eighth inning. So usually he's like, in the quiet room in the clubhouse eating like during the first few innings with like a blanket over him. And then like, he'll like shift his way over into the training room and start to get ready. And, you know, he's like, he's like all the other closers, like he can sniff it out when it's going to be him and he starts to lock it in and do his, his stretching and all that. And then, you know, he knows, he knows when it's him and when it's not him, like he likes to joke around the whole time. Like he's, he's pretty normal. Um, it's just normal wrapped in like a, you know, an avatar body. <laughs> yeah. Does Harky ever uh, make you feel like you have to watch all these TV shows to keep up and, and have conversations with him? He watches like every show. Yeah, on the, table. yeah, 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 he does. He seems like he's got everything. I don't know how he has enough time, but I do. I do watch him like when he's on the elliptical, like uh, when I first get to the field, he's always on the elliptical with his iPad. They're just like locked into a show for like an hour. So he's like multitasking, like. Somehow he finds a way to watch the video of every guy throwing and all the, you know, all the studying and then also watch all the shows. So his screen time must be really out of control on his uh, iOS or whatever. Just constant shows. 
Did you hear the yeah. story that Boone, that uh, Boone, Harky told of Boone and Nevin on the spring training bus? That Boone and Nevin stayed later on the bus after everyone got off because they were sharing wine and watching The Bachelor on their iPad and they didn't want to miss the <laughs> ending. That doesn't surprise me with Nev at all. Nev is Nev's an interesting character too, for sure. Oh yeah, he came on and chatted with us. He's the he's awesome. Yeah, he's great. Once you, uh, and I think this. Go ahead. Uh, we alluded to it before, and and again, there's probably not much there, but I mean, anything on DJ Lemayhew, and I mean it. Uh, the on the field stuff is awesome, and I mean you got to see him up close and personal, and you batting title DJ Lemayhew, and you know everything we said before about pitching with the cores effect. You wonder. Um, you know, how, how that affects different hitters and everything. The, the DJ LeMahieu we've seen on the Yankees is awesome on the field. It, it speaks for itself. Is, is there anything? I mean, what, what have you gotten out of him? I mean, you, you have to be one of the people around baseball that have known him the longest. Yeah, no, DJ's a great guy. He's just a simple guy. Like um, him and his wife, they have two dogs, and uh, DJ watches sports or plays video games most of the time, and she she handles everything else, and like she's been sending me videos of him going out of his mind right now because there's no baseball. Like he's literally like, <laughs> like he's got his hockey stick and his rollerblades on. He's just like skating around the apartment, like doing like uh, <laughs> s- stick handling drills, like stuff like just that. Lost. And yeah, he's just uh, he just loves he just loves sports. He's a really good friend. Like he still t- stays in touch with all his high school friends and all that. Um, but for the most part, he's just pretty pretty simple. Like he doesn't like do a whole lot of other extracurriculars just really locked into what, you know, what, what he cares about, which is, uh, you know, baseball and uh, hockey, especially. Did you have to tell like teammates or people? Cause there was a stretch there where he just didn't like, I mean, there's a stretch where I think he had like 14 at bats in a row with extra base hits and hits and just didn't get out. I'm sure you've seen that a bunch, but I remember there was a shot of the dugout after he hit like a home run. And I think it was 10 at bats in a row without getting out. And there, everyone was like, what the hell is this? You'd seen it for a while. Did you know that he would become this kind of beloved figure in New York or that he would handle the pressure and and everything so perfectly? Yeah, I had a really good feeling about it because he he lives through the big games, like with the Rockies when we would play, you know, um, the Dodgers or the Giants in their parks. I mean, he would always seem to play even better. And, um, you know, the Cubs traded him, and I know that that always pissed him off. And when we would play the Cubs, he would – he would shove it up their ass all the time. And um, he, he loved it. Like he's got a lot of killer in him. And so coming to the Yankees, I knew it was a good fit. He was going to be so excited and to play. And I told a lot of the guys in spring, like, you know, um, who asked about him, I said, just, you, you're, you're going to see, like, he's going to become your favorite player pretty quickly. And it didn't take long. Guys were telling me really quick, like, I just love the way he goes about it. Like he's, this guy's on a different level. And I don't know. It's just, it's just funny because, you know, he doesn't look the part that much, but uh, once he started playing the way he was, I think he was just blowing guys away. Like, people were just kind of kind of in awe of him a little bit. Was there any communication between the two of you while you were free agents? Like, or when he when he signed, was there any recruiting or kind of like, hey, I'm thinking this, I'm picking each other's ears? Or did you just both end up at spring together? Um, I try to, like, uh, free agency's tricky. Like, I try to... Um, let him do his own thing for a while and not, um, you know, get too involved. But um, I knew that he had some offers and um, that he wasn't like too thrilled about him. And then um, finally, when he signed with the Yankees, like I was so excited for him because I, I just was, I didn't know what that meant for me with the Yankees, but I was just so excited for him because <laughs> I, you know, I knew that it was a good fit for him. Like I really did. And I knew his, his wife and they would love the city and all that. So, I wrote him and then he told me like a day later, like that they asked him about me and obviously he said all good things. So I was like, all right, well, thanks. And then um, sure enough, it worked out. We were just pumped because we had talked about even the previous year, like if we were in the tank, like maybe we were both going to get traded. Could we go to the same place? Um, Stuff like that. And then for it to actually happen, it was kind of surreal. And, you know, our wives are close. So they were they were really happy. So, you know, it was nice to have that happen. Yeah, that works out. Awesome. That's awesome. If you could, um, I, this was a weird question I thought up in the shower um, about an hour ago. If you could switch for a day 
and have one of the other Yankees. I'll, I'm leaving Cole out of it for now because I think he's a cheat code. If you could play around with someone's pitching stuff for one day, is it like Chappie? Do you want to mess around with Tanaka because he's always making stuff up? Do you go Paxton because you feel it coming out of the left arm? Who who would you swap with on the Yankees for a day? See, this is like what I told Matt Blake. Like, hey, like at least you got some good pitchers over here to choose from. <laughs> um, you know, Chappie would be interesting. I mean, just to throw that hard. I've never sniffed anything that he throws regularly, so I, I couldn't imagine that. And just the power that he must feel out there, and the adrenaline, and the you know the confidence. So. Just to have Chappie's fastball, you know, would just be um, just an out-of-body experience for sure. When when you're on the mound, because when your stuff is on, it's wiffle ball shit. It's crazy. Do you have a game plan versus batters? Or, like, when you're on, you're like, I don't care who's standing there, if it's righty, lefty, or, or you know, turn score or judge. Are you just throwing your game? Or is there still kind of like you change for batter? No, no, I do a lot of studying. I'm like uh, really into um, being prepared. Um, when I'm out there, I would uh, describe myself as confident but paranoid. So uh, basically, like I'm always trying to make sure that I'm making the right choices and dictating everything. Um, but you know, you can see it in my pitching. Like I do nibble a lot, and I think uh, maybe maybe too much. But I think overall, a lot of that's just being careful and trying to make sure that uh, the at bat ends in my favor and not give in at all. Um, I, I always have confidence in my stuff, but I do think um, I, I really enjoy the chess match aspect of pitching. Can you tell, like, I know when you, you go in your lab and you can rewatch it right away and you can see the planes and the, the X and the crossing and, and the tunneling and all those fun terms. When you're on the mound, can you tell like, Oh, that lined up perfectly with the last pitch or like, can you envision kind of like see it through the camera lens or is it completely different both ways? Um, well, yeah, well, uh, for me, like everything is designed like uh, off season. Um, and then from there, you kind of know how your pitches interact with one another. And not every pitch is designed to necessarily tunnel exactly. Um, it's a little complicated to explain it, but sometimes I kind of want an opposite of tunneling effect. Um, I want them to be looking in one side of the plate and then I'm going to throw something on the opposite side of the plate um, that I intentionally want them to not swing at that will then come back into the strike zone. So that's kind of like an anti-tunneling where like maybe they're looking in one area uh, and then it's designed to get a take. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, when I'm in the game, I am very visual. Like I do try to like visualize uh, the, the shape of the pitch before throwing it and then just try to send the ball along that shape. But all that number stuff, like, and um, the data, like that's all kind of, um, used to make my arsenal as good as possible. And then when I'm in the game, uh, a lot of it's, a lot of it's instinct and, um, just, you know, just trying to compete. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you ever, uh, check pitching ninja for your gifts after you, after you go out there on the mound? Are you like, did he get me today? Are you, well, are you, I, has I there been a it. pitch where you're like, what the hell, Rob? Why didn't you post that one? <laughs> no, no, they put they he posts me probably more than he even should. But I um I check pitching ninja just because I check it all the time anyway for other guys' pitches. I I love it. It's pitch porn, but um it's it's obviously a good feeling when you know you did something, you know, just the way you wanted it, and then they post it. Um, that that's a good feeling. I think it's a little dopamine hit, and uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I like that. Yeah, of course. I mean, Clark, we talked to Clark Schmidt and he was on there after his spring debut with that power curve he was throwing. He was, he was all excited about getting, it was like a big, a big event in his life. He's like, I made it to pitch ninja. It's kind of, kind of cool what Rob's done with that account. Yeah. Jake, any yeah, shower I think it's questions? Great. Um, yeah. What do you got? I've always, uh, they're all shower questions. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to go Brooklyn with you. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm about a month living in the city. Uh, John boys on what? Four months. something like that. Whatever November is to now. Sure. Um, so we're, Five. uh, we're, we're figuring out the city. What, um, if we head down to Brooklyn, what do we need to do? Or what are, what are Adam out you know, three, three things you need to do in Brooklyn or New York in general. 
Well, I, I think uh, it's hard to do it now, but I think ultimately uh, <laughs> one of the nice things about New York is um, just like it's such a good walking thing. You're going to discover so many new things, um, all different types of like really authentic ethnic food from like every walk of life possible. Um, that's something that New York has that nobody else has. Um, the subway can literally take you anywhere. From the moment my parents said it was okay for me to take a subway by myself as a kid, I was able to go to far-reaching ends of the Bronx, all the way from Brooklyn on my own. On, at the time, it was a dollar fifty, probably a lot more now. But ultimately, uh, you can you can cover a lot of ground pretty easily in New York and get a lot of culture that way. Uh, Brooklyn specifically, uh, I lived right next to Prospect Park, which is the Brooklyn version of Central Park, and it's an awesome park. Has a really cool botanical gardens, museum, and all that. So um, that's like always, uh, always a good spot, and um, reminds me of my childhood. The subway is insane. It's three. It's like three seventy five now. But I mean, it, you can yeah. go anywhere. Our office is two blocks from Yankee Stadium, which we can't. We got to use for two weeks, <laughs> and now we can't use it anymore. Wow. But uh, yeah, the, we're yeah. the same subway block as uh, Yankee Stadium, and it's like I didn't realize that the subway. Can it goes everywhere in New York for really cheap? It's a pretty good system. Yeah, it was total total freedom when we were kids. Uh, you know, even when we did dumb stuff like drinking and stuff, I didn't have to worry about drinking and driving. Like, drink and take the train, and you'll you'll find your way home. So, uh, ultimately, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you know, it's a little different now. I got daughters. I don't know if I would feel the same, but. Uh, you know, when I was younger, my parents kind of let me let me run free, and I felt like it helped me, um, you know, grow up and get that that street smarts that you need. Yeah. Well, I have a question here. You have 152 plate appearances in the minors and majors, and zero extra base hits. Is that something that you're just dreaming of? Finally, get an extra base hit. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a shame because I was a good hitter, I felt like, growing up. And then I spent a long time not hitting. And then I got all of a sudden a double A and I start hitting again. And right away, the first, like, second at bat I had in double A, I hurt myself swinging. And then after that, I was just super scared for that to happen again. So it was mostly, like, take sign. That's the pitch I could have hit. Then the guy throws me a curveball. Got no shot. Now it's up <laughs> too. so... Um, Screw that. my only thing, yeah, my, the only thing that I'm proud of is that I have two hits in the big leagues and one's righty and one's lefty. So really not a lot of people can say that. I was gonna say. Yeah. Kyle That's Osh awesome. and Zach Duke. Have you, have you given them any, right. any love at a certain point or what? Jake, your screen is all great. But, well, I played with Kyle Loesch, so I thought he probably was pissed to give up a hit to me, but, um, you know, thankfully, uh, thankfully you know, if anybody, I thought it was uh, apropos that it came against the Cardinals, which was my old team, and a, a guy I knew. Oh, he's gone now. Oh, He'll I see be a question mark. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just I had to get those hits. That was the biggest monkey off my back. I would have liked to hit a home run at some point, but it'd be cool. They, they throw way too hard. I, I was not prepared. Yeah, no, screw that. I wouldn't. You just pitch. I think that's fair. And I was if you watch the video, uh, if you watch the video of my first hit, uh, my one of my best friends is playing center field for the Cardinals, John Jay. And if you watch him, he's totally laughing as he goes to field the ball. <laughs> he's so happy that his friend got a hit. And then my other friend was playing first base, Alan Craig, and like I get to first base and he's like covering his mouth, like thinking it's the funniest thing in the world that I got a hit. So it's one of those moments like you're in a real major league game, like there's stakes here, but. All of a sudden, like the friendship thing kind of take took over there for a second. Yeah, when Severino got his first hit, 2018 or 17, whenever it was. I mean, it's in the middle of a close game, and it was like an error hit, but the dugout went nuts, and it feels like an exhibition game out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because you're not you're not supposed to get a hit. Like you're just not. It's too hard. And when a pitcher gets a hit off of me. Hasn't happened in a while, but when that happens, like that's so defeating. Yeah. Who got you? Um, so in my third and final career start, Dan Heron hit like two absolute missile doubles off me. And <laughs> oh, no. that was not great. Damn. <laughs> so you get you the first time and then the, the second time, that's gotta be <laughs> you gotta be like cursing yourself. Ugh. 
Is it the same pitch? Uh, I don't remember the pitches. I just think I might have fallen behind the guy and then just figured out oh, he's the pitcher. Or here it comes. And then he, he turned out to be a good hitter. So that was that wasn't great for me overall. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder if he bra- if he brags about that on Twitter. He was posting a lot of fun stories on Twitter. Everyone's going crazy in quarantine. He was talking about smoking cigarettes in the middle of games and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. Cool. I mean, uh, J- Jake, if you got anything, otherwise, like, uh, thanks for stopping on, man. We appreciate it. Uh, uh, only final note I had. No, I'm not letting you out yet. Um, you you played with a pretty special third baseman in Colorado, Arenado. I mean, he's the top one-and-a-half yeah. third baseman to ever do it defensively, probably. Um, I'm not saying he's on this level because we, we love analytics. We love analytics. I have some people on Yankees Twitter that tell me Gio Urshela is not a good third baseman. Can you just tell them he is? Because what he does sometimes, it's not Arenado, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. Obvi- I think it's pretty obvious. I'm surprised people don't think that. He's a good – he's definitely a good good. Def- People guys about his hitting last year, if anything. Gio's good though, man. Gio, he's got good hands. If he touches it, you're usually out. So it's a good sign. That's, Defensive that's metrics are pretty flawed. What 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 do you look at? Uh, what do you look at to project, and then what do you look at to base your results on? Is it OPS plus? Are you just looking at your spin rate? Um, what are the kind of the measurements that you go to gauge your performances? Um, I, I definitely don't look at the projections at all because I always feel like, um, you can beat that. Um, you know, I know like for me, it's always like, I always feel like I can pitch a little better than I have been pitching. So it's basing me off of like, um, you know, how I've been pitching recently, or they always think you're going to regress to some sort of mediocre level anyway. So I don't really look at that, but, um, for me, you know, if you go on baseball savant and you look at those sliders that come up on every page. Um, they talk about like expected, uh, batting average, expected slug. I look at that stuff that, that shows me like, okay, my stuff's playing. They're not really like hitting the ball hard off me. Um, and then I know like if my, that, that'll go together in your expected weighted on base. Sometimes I have too many walks, so that'll slightly hurt me there. And I know that that's the problem, but, um, you know, it's pretty simple stuff. Like Usually when you're getting beat as a pitcher, you're either walking too many guys or you're too hittable. And so um, for me, like right now, it's basically I'm walking too many guys. So I'm trying to work on that. Once that balances out, we'll see where I'm at and go from there. Yeah, I mean, that baseball savant page is awesome. I love it. And, oh, I mean, you're always all the way in the red, so that must be a nice confidence boost when you check that out. Yeah, and I like to I like to rub that into some of the other guys. Like, you, yeah. you see this? Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you when Adam Adovino says he likes the sliders on Baseball Savant, too many jokes run through my head with sliders. So I I think I'm I'm good, man. Um, this is yeah. awesome. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you sitting down with us yeah, for a little guys. bit and killing some time during this weirdness. We'll let you yeah, get back to hide can, and seek. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some actual stuff that you guys can break down soon. Because yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, man. And then uh, if the season ever starts, we're two blocks away from the stadium, so we'll invite you over to check out the, our new office. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Cool. Go back to back. <laughs> belly to belly. All right. There you have it. Adam Adovino, best slider going. Made yeah. his Talking Yanks debut. One of, I think he said, 50 appearances. So he'll be a mainstay. Dude, and now, uh, now that I think about it, like every answer was really open, um, whether it was the college stuff or even his mentality on the mound and stuff. He was, I mean, it, it was all open. That was awesome. Well, I like. I, it was interesting. He said, you know, he told the Cardinals, "Put me in the bullpen." Right. You know, I know my stuff's gonna play out there. I'm gonna be a good bullpen guy, and you guys are just dicking around. And then I also like how he said. He like, you know, you always hear like, he's going to want to close. And he was like, I don't really give a fuck. You know, I just want to pitch on a good team and get big outs. Don't care yeah. if it's, I don't need that prestigious closer role. So and he was, I, I think some people's complaints about Adam Adovino, the guy that had a one nine ERA last year, um, is that sometimes he does nibble and stuff. Sometimes he can be a little wild. And I mean, he was at like full disclosure about that. I, I think, you know, that's, 
that's not normally how we picture guys. So it's, uh, it was really interesting to get that mentality out of them. Um, I was kind of looking for a place to eat in Brooklyn, not the botanical gardens, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, a, a friend of the pod. Um, and his, his, his numbers on baseball reference are so fun. So, Oh my God. Good Stupid. that he looks at that. He's in, in the Instagram not, and tweeted saying, thank you. That's yeah. Our, go reach out to Otto and say, thank you. That way players know that they were heard and enjoyed. Yeah. Cool. I think that's all. Thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, we will be doing voicemail episode later this week. So if you want to call in, you can, the phone number is as always, it is always the same number that I have memorized. And that is 908-845-5792. Call and leave a voicemail. See you guys later. Go Yanks. Tell them grams. Thank you.